Hello, friends. Welcome back to the show. Today, we've got a special episode for you. It's time for another rant. First of all, you might be noticing before the rant even starts, the voice is still sounding the way that it was, and a lot of you have been asking the question, Luke, have you been taking voice lessons from Scott Harrison? Sadly, no, it's not that. It's just this is what my voice is doing this time of year down in Austin, Texas. We got some allergies. We got some stuff going around the air. And so, um, you know, it is what it is. So here we go. Uh, actually, before I jump into the rant, let me say uh, one of the things I love about this time of year, besides the allergies in Austin, Texas, is Spotify puts out the year and review on music. And like, I'm going to be real honest, I get in my feelings when I, when those songs come up, because there's something about music that ties you to events and times and, you know, lots been going on. And so music has been something that, that has really connected me, um, with feelings and, and, um, processing things that are going on. And so I, I love that time of year going back and kind of reminisce on what's happened the last year. Uh, the, the older I get, um, the less I'm always looking forward to what's happening in the future and the more I'm celebrating right now and even being able to cherish what happened in the past. And uh, so music helps me do that. So I love when Spotify puts out their list because it kind of brings me back to what's been going on in this past year. And it also con- uh, confirms what I said in the podcast not too long ago when talking with um, a gentleman from Montana or Wyoming or I don't know if those are even really different states. They could be the same state for all I know and just different nicknames for them. I don't know. But uh, from someone up there, and I said, hey, you're, you're basically um, like living Yellowstone. And when Spotify comes on and tells me the songs I'm listening to most. They are basically all the soundtrack from that TV show, Yellowstone, that Kevin Costner does. So um, I, I love that time of year, but also uh, I hear feedback from some of y'all who uh, listen to the podcast through Spotify. Uh, a lot of people listen through uh, iTunes and the traditional podcast uh, app that is native on the iPhone. Some listen on your computer because, you know, that's what you like to do. Uh, some listen on Spotify and to hear some feedback from those of you who Spotify is telling you, that you spent a lot of time with me is very humbling. I appreciate you spending the time with me this past year, and I hope to keep giving you some good conversations that make it meaningful for you to check in and check out what we do every Monday morning. So uh, thank you for all of you who uh, give me some love about that from uh, the year in review on Spotify that this is a podcast you listen to. So thanks. Okay, here's the rant. Earlier this week, I'm at home, and I'm in my garage getting a lift on, and I hop on my phone as I'm kind of catching my breath in between sets and I turn on Twitter, which, you know, turning to Twitter is, is rarely a great thing, but, you know, sometimes you do it. And I turn to Twitter and there's a rant from a gentleman who is a conservative pastor at a mega church in the South. And he goes on this diatribe about how bad deconstruction is. And I don't like that at all. Like, Social media does what we know it's always doing, and it makes me angry and afraid, and it creates this sense that I need to respond to it. Now, I'm not the one who jumps in the uh, the comments on Twitter. I'm not the one who kind of jumps in and creates these online arguments. I'm not saying I'm opposed to it. I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just saying that's not something that I have time and or patience to do, and if you're really going to do that, I think... You have to be willing to have a conversation and stay on your phone for an extended period of time because I think just like jumping in and throwing a shot and then backing out isn't really a charitable thing to do. And I don't have like the patience or the desire to to really get into that. So um, I I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to just kind of go back about this person's criticism of of 
deconstruction and what I felt was a scarecrow argument for deconstruction, meaning that I think he just really set up a just a, a, an uncharitable reflection and an uncharitable picture of what deconstruction actually is. And so, you know, I, I didn't jump in on that because I know I have other mediums to do that. And uh, I, I was on uh, Goodreads and there's no way to say it, this other than I was being narcissistic. And I saw um, some some lines that I had from one of my books on Goodreads and like, yeah, there's, there's no good way to say that. That's what I was doing, but I I was. And one of the first uh, quotes from Goodreads uh, from my first book was uh, a line from the book, uh, God over good, where I make the observation that God has given us 10 fingers to text and only one mouth to speak from. So basic math tells us that God intends us to text, not communicate. And so despite the humorous attempt on my part to express how much I like texting I don't think typing with your fingers is really the best way to engage in an argument like that. And the good news is I've got a podcast where we can have a more long-form engagement with this subject matter about deconstruction and some of the ways that it's given a scarecrow treatment and not really respected the journey that many people have been on. And if you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, I'm going to be real honest, this podcast in a lot of ways was a vehicle for me to process the deconstruction that I went through. So I have... Uh, you know, a personal investment in this concept because it was pivotal and in some ways salvific uh, for my faith to go through this process. If I didn't, um, if I didn't go through a deconstruction process, I don't know where I am right now with my faith. The thing that I was most afraid of years ago when I started the podcast turned out to be the very thing that I found to be most life-giving, that the questions, the engagement with these dogmas that I have, you know, had had received and, you know, the critical thinking, I don't use any of those words in a negative sense, uh, dogma or critical thinking. Um, but the ideas that I held, I felt like in the process, I was afraid of them because what it would do for my faith. But what I found on the other side of it is that God was the one who was drawing me into these questions and that God was the one who was pulling me in to reassess and re-engage in what I had long held to to be true. And I, I tell this, this parable in God over good about a guy who's on the side of a, a beach and a wave comes and gets him and pulls him out to the ocean. And at first he's fighting against the wave because he knows if I get in the water, like I'm, I'm done, I can't swim. I, you know, I'm not going to be able to survive if this undertow pulls me all the way out into the deep. But on the other side, once he, he realizes that he actually can swim and that that wave was not trying to destroy him, but it was trying to deliver him from some of the small ways that he's understood life. Um, like that, that in a lot of ways was my deconstruction. What I was most afraid of turned out to be the very thing that I most needed. And I'm very grateful for the place I am right now with my faith, with my understanding of who God is, the way I engage in a connection and a relationship with God and the way that I follow the teachings of Jesus. All those things don't happen unless I go through deconstruction. So when I hear someone making this scarecrow argument about deconstruction being bad, like it, it makes me fear, fearful and angry. And the main thing I'm angry about is what it does to other people. And what I'm fearful of is the way that it can cause some people who are being pulled out into the deep through a rigorous engagement with ideas they've been given that they're not going to have what they need to survive a deconstruction. But I'm not oblivious to the fact that there are other podcasts that started similar to the time that my podcast started in which all they did was functionally deconstruct. And there are people who at the beginning would say that, yeah, we're, we're followers of Jesus, we're Christians. And like month after month, year after year, they're just deconstructing. And so now like you have these, 
these voices that are just, yeah, I'm not a Christian anymore. I don't really believe in um, the spiritual teachings that I started with. And I've in some ways jettisoned them entirely. I have literally thrown the baby out with the bathwater. And I think we see that and you go, yeah, this is really harmful for some people. I think it's oblivious to the fact that sometimes people not questioning can create the same outcome on the other side. And what what happens is in our ignorance about what not questioning does and our awareness of what deconstruction does for some people, we end up acting like fearful parents, parents who are afraid of your kids making choices. And sometimes that's warranted. Like there are plenty of parents who saw destructive paths that their kids were going down and they got really afraid because they knew that this could be a really bad outcome for them. But the response can never be to be authoritarian and overbearing on your kids. There was one, uh, one guy that I went to school with, uh, in high school and his parents were extremely strict, like super, super overbearing about what he could and couldn't do. They were completely in his business all the time. And so what happens? He turns 19, he graduates high school, goes off to college and like Literally from everything you would imagine, the partying, he, he has like this excessive appearance change. Like he literally like dyed his hair a crazy color. Uh, not that I'm opposed to dyeing your hair crazy colors if you want to express yourself that way. But in some ways, it was just a direct um, f- flouting of his parents in the way that he would act and appear. And so within a year, like this guy who had um, had a, a lot of things going for him, he threw him away, was out of out of school was no longer on uh, the athletic team that he was on a track team that he, he had got on in college. Um, and like his parents in their attempt to prevent him from doing this with his life in some ways pushed him further down the road than he ever would have been. If his parents would have created a system where he could create his own internal compass for where he needs to go. I've heard a lot of uh, people talk about parenting is that by the time your kids are 18 and theoretically they're moving out of the house, going off to school or starting working or whatever they're going to do at 18, that they've already been given the leeway to make decisions to determine the kind of person they want to be. And they've done this in the safe environment of your home where you can help shelter and guide and protect the decisions that they're making. And in the same way, when we look at faith and we try to become this authoritarian overbearing parent that doesn't allow people to engage in these questions, what happens is we do the very thing that we want to not have happen. We prevent them from having these conversations in safe and healthy ways. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 73. And the psalmist describes the inequity in the world. The psalmist describes how he can see the evil in the world, how things are wrong, how you know bad people, evil people have things go good for them and good people have things go bad for them. In some ways, the psalmist is reflecting what theologians talk about is Deuteron- Deuteronomic theology, the idea that Deuteronomy teaches us, if you do good, then good things will happen to you. If you do bad, then bad things will happen to you. This is the concept that the entire book of Job is deconstructing. And saying, well, you know, that doesn't always work. It's a good place to start. Usually if you do good, good things are going to happen to you. But then you get the book of Job that says, wait a minute, um, Job is extremely good, but he has the worst things happen to him. So the psalmist is in this process of going, wait a minute, we don't have the book of Job yet. Job is probably one of the last books in uh, the Jewish text that make it into the canon. And so in some ways they're deconstructing what the book of Job will, you know, probably centuries later do, do for them. And they look at this and go, this doesn't make sense to me. I don't know how this is working. Drink of tea. Pause. I'm back. 
but what happens in Psalm 73 is the psalmist says, all this didn't make sense to me until I went into the house of the Lord. And that's what happens when you have a safe environment where deconstruction can take place, where you can go, wait a minute, I, I don't understand how we can act this way or think this way, but I'm still going to go into the house of the Lord and worship. Because I think ultimately one of the foundational components to healthy deconstruction is that this can happen in community and that it can happen in connection with God. But when you have authoritarian leaders saying, don't deconstruct, it's bad, it's awful, what happens is you just put it under the surface. And so all of a sudden now deconstruction has to be something that is done in the, I won't, I don't want to say privacy, but in the isolation of your own soul. Like if you're isolated from other people, you can't do this in community. So you never have the Psalm 73 experience of, yes, this doesn't make sense. I don't understand scripture. How come prayer works this way? How come we treat this group of people that way? Or how come men are treated this way and women are treated this way? Or how come, you know, the history of race in church is what it is. Instead of being able to process this in the community. And so you can have the experience where you go into the temple, you go into the sanctuary of the Lord and say, but I'm in the presence of God and God can help me process this. You do this in isolation. And as we all know, if you remain in the dark, darkness is going to remain within you. But if you bring your struggles into the light, if you bring your questions into light, if you bring your ideological problems into the light, you are opening yourself up for light to illuminate and guide you into new paths. So that's one of the things I'm most uh, fearful about what can happen when deconstruction is disallowed, when it is um, when it is demonized. But on the flip side, I think part of what we see is you have the demonization of deconstruction on one side, and then you have the idolization of deconstruction on the other side. There's a story in the Jewish text about um, these people are not really sure who each other are. They meet each other up and they have uh, this encounter where one person asks the other person, how do they say the word shibboleth? It's, it, you know, it's, a, it's a funny word. It's kind of a fun word to say, shibboleth. And the way that functions in that society is if you're from a certain region, you're going to say it one way. If you're going to say it from another reason, you say it a different way. It's similar to if you go to different places in the country and you hold up a can of Coke, you go some places and they're going to say that's a pop. You hold up a a can of Coke, no matter what is um, actually in it. And so some people would say it's just a Coke. It might be a Sprite. It might be a Dr. Pepper. It might be a root beer, but still it's a Coke. Now, if you go other places, they're going to say it's a soda because they know how to read and they know that's actually what you should call it. But there are other, that's a joke. Um, But there are other places like the Midwest where I used to live where people would call a soda pop. And so the way that you describe the word is a reflection of where you come from. And in some ways, deconstruction becomes this shibboleth for some parts of Christianity where it becomes like this litmus test for, you know, I'm, I'm evolved, I'm smart, I'm educated, I'm enlightened. So I've gone through this deconstruction. And I feel like, there's a, a level of arrogance that comes with that, that disrespects it. Not everyone goes through it, that this isn't a sign that you've arrived. And when you idolize this, what we end up doing is we turn faith into something that becomes an intellectual pursuit instead of a way of life. And sometimes when we idolize deconstruction, we think faith is simply relegated to what I think. 
And if I think the right things, then I'm, I, I'm in the cool kids club. Like there's a struggle in the early church where they talked about this group of people that had this special knowledge that they had received more insight. And so they felt like they had more. And I think the, the book of Ephesus or excuse me, the letter to the church in Ephesus talks about this. Like you, you guys think that you got more because you had this special knowledge. And sometimes the way that we idolize deconstruction, we think that the way that we think is the fullness of what faith is. When actually, I think belief is less just about what you think, it's about your, your way of life. And so I think belief to us often is the way that we try to connect somewhat logically uh, inconsistent tenets in our head. And so, okay, I, I believe Jesus is fully God and fully man. Like that's basic Christianity right there. Um, but for some of us, belief is just, okay, I, I can connect what seems to be logically incoherent, that a person could be both God and both fully person, which I think it's important to believe that. So I'm, I'm for that 100%. But I think belief is less just about the mental assent to that idea. And it's more about conforming to that way of life. And so I believe Jesus is God in the flesh, which means I am going to live into what he has called me to. I'm going to live into the way of life that he offers us into. I'm going to live into the kingdom as though it is not just revealed to us by a person, but it is from God. And it's not just by God on a cloud distant away, but it's been incarnate. It has been down in the world with us. So the difference of belief as ideas versus way of life is uh, is pretty substantial when you get to the end of what deconstruction really is to do for us. And so I think part of what we need to understand about deconstruction is there are some really important things that we need to remember when we go through deconstruction. And okay, so the first one I think is that deconstruction has to be consistent with a commitment to a way of life. I had a friend who was going through uh, some substantial uh, life trauma and we're talking about what he's doing and, and how he's getting through it. And, you know, we're kind of going back and forth and this guy is, is an athlete. And I asked him, I was like, well, I'm sure there are plenty of days that you don't want to get up and train, but you still do it anyway, because you know, that's the kind of person that you want to be as someone who's an athlete. An athlete means that you train for your athletic endeavor. And there are days that you don't want to get up and do it, but you still do it because that's the way of life that you're committed to. And so I, you know, my, you know, my point to him was even as we're deconstructing our faith, there are going to be times that we don't want to get up and do it because it doesn't all make mental um, consistency to us. We, we can't connect the dots on all these tenets, but we have committed ourselves to a way of life, not just to a, a set of ideas. And so my, my spirituality isn't just about me having ideas in my head, but it's a commitment to a way of life. And so even when you're deconstructing ideas, there needs to be a commitment to a way of life that you're still living. Okay. And so the first thing I think when we go through healthy deconstruction, it is consistent with a, a way of life, even when mentally we can't connect the dots. Okay. And second thing I would say is there are layers to everything. There are layers. They're just different levels. Um, since you guys love when I talk about my newfound love of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, let me tell you a story. Um, maybe two weeks ago, I'm, uh, we have this Thursday open mat, which means you can just go up there and do whatever you want, um, like train however you want, whatever person's there, you just do, do your thing. And so I'm there and so there's this new guy who shows up and I hadn't seen this guy before. He's bigger than me. Um, I, I can tell that he's uh, w way better than me, but uh, he walks up, hey, do you want to roll? Which means like, do you want to practice? Whatever. And I'm like, all right, sure, let, let's go. And I noticed like the guys in my gym who've been around a while, like kind of turn and start to watch. And 
I get absolutely positively destroyed in a way that I've never been before. Like this guy was an absolute beast. And so afterwards I talked to the guy and then I find out that this guy's a three-time world champion at a weight class above mine. And so even though like I'm, I'm new, um, like I don't think I'm like the best in the world by any means, but I've never been like that destroyed by someone who's uh, just completely different than me in terms of skill level. And so afterwards, I'm talking to a guy who's, uh, who's also way better than me. And he goes, dude, there are levels to this thing. And I was like, uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good point. Because this guy is literally a world champion. And it reminds me like not, not everything is equal, right? And when it comes to faith, there are layers to things that not everything is equal. And sometimes when we go through deconstruction, that's a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu metaphor, which... I I assume six of you are going to like that one. So thanks for tolerating it with me. But when you go through deconstruction, when we think that we're all the same and all the issues are the same and all issues have the same level of importance, what we set ourselves up for is this sort of all or nothing faith that if you don't have everything you want, then you're not going to have any of it. And I would encourage you, you got to layer this thing. And if you want to talk about how the church has had issues substantial issues with the way that we have been sinful and the way that we've treated women or the way that racism has been uh, part of Christianity. Um, if you don't, if you want sources on that, go listen to the Jabbar Tisby podcast or read his book, uh, The Color of Compromise. He talks about the way that uh, like the three main churches, the traditions, denominations in America have deeply problematic uh, relationships with race. The fact that our largest tradition uh in America, the Southern Baptist Convention, the word Southern is in there, not just because they happened to be in the South, but because they wanted slaves. And that's just, there's plenty of receipts for that. Anyway, so if, if you want to talk about the way the church is deeply problematic in these areas, and we have this history that we need to, um, uh, you know, do our best to atone for and move past and, and to, uh, to rectify, that doesn't mean that Jesus is racist, right? Like there are layers to this thing. So the way that the church has acted is one thing, but the layer of, who Jesus is, is a different layer. And sometimes that we equal our understanding of who Jesus is with the way that we understand gender or sexuality or worship or the sacraments or race or anything. And in doing so, what what happens is, is if you take out one part of this Jenga puzzle, then the whole thing's going to fall down. Instead of saying, no, no, like there's a centerpiece to it that's on a whole different level than everything else. And so if my understanding of the way that the Bible talks about its um, its inspiration or the way that the, the church has talked about in the, like the last hundred years, the infallibility of scripture. If you think that's equal to who Jesus is in the death, burial, and resurrection, like you're setting yourself up for a Jenga Tower experience if you come to a different conclusion about that. So you, you got to layer your beliefs and understand that they're not all the same. And so you can't have this all or nothing understanding of what faith is. So first thing, uh, healthy deconstruction understands that spirituality and Christianity. It's not just the way you think, it's the way you live. So you need to maintain things that keep you living in a certain direction. Second thing is you've got to layer your beliefs. You can't think of them all as equal, but they each have their own unique place. And then the third one I would talk about is the importance of community, the importance of being in community. So there's a great story in Acts 15 where the early church gets together and they are functionally deconstructing that's the language that we would use today. They didn't talk that way, of course, back then. They didn't have that terminology. But they are deconstructing an understanding of a central part of Judaism, which is what food they can eat and couldn't eat. And so what they do is they get together in Acts 15. 
but Peter has had this uh, spiritual experience where he has, has this vision where, uh, you know, a, uh, a cloud has dropped down. It's full of all this uh, food that he wouldn't have eaten before. And the voice says, you got to eat this. It's clean. And, you know, Peter's like, I, I've never eaten any of that. And then the voice says, no, no, no. How, how can you say what I've given you is unclean? And so Peter goes, oh, wow, this is something that we need to change. And so they get together as a church. And so Peter has his own personal experience. They bring in the witness of scripture and they start to reread scripture differently because of this experience. And then they pray and they all together come to a conclusion of, okay, we're going to change a central tenet of what it meant to be a God-fearing person and someone who followed God because we we see things differently. And there's a couple of important points to that. One is that there is an encounter with God. I think spirituality, first and foremost, as a Christian, is always going to be an encounter with Jesus. It's always that. Like it, For as much as we wanted to make it logical and rational, at the core of it, it is this experience that you have to have. And so, um, to go back to what I'm saying before about the way of life, if, if you remove the experience that you have with God as part of your faith, then all of a sudden everything's going to fall apart. That has to be the first part. Like You have to maintain ways for you to encounter God because first and foremost, Christianity is not what I think about like the end times. Christianity is not what I think about how we should view the poor. Christianity is not about how I think about loving my enemies. First and foremost, it's an encounter with God who has been revealed to us in the person of Jesus. So it, you got to start there. Like that is the, the the spark, the flame that everything else is built around. And so that's why it's so important to have a way of life that keeps you connected to Jesus. Okay. So the first thing is there is a spiritual encounter in Acts 15 with Peter outside, brings it together. The next thing that has that you can see happening is that they're doing this together in community. And I, I know I've said this multiple times on the podcast that we, we need to have communities of faith that support and rally around us as we are engaging in faith. And uh, I love my friend, uh, Jason Miller's church that he's, he used this line years and years ago when he first was on the podcast. And he said, uh, I want our church to be a place where people can lose their faith. Now, if you've ever heard Jason preach, it's very easy for you to lose your faith. That's a great joke. Um, but what he really means is that there is a safe community for you to be with together as you unpack and reassess the way that you understand God's involvement in your life and in the world. And Acts 15 is a representation of people asking some very like unfathomable questions. Like there were, There's an amazing story um, that's heartbreaking in one of the, uh, uh, one of the books that didn't make it in the canon. And there's a story about this this woman who is willing and is honored because she has her seven sons who decide that they would rather be fried in a pan than to eat pork. Like the, the metaphor of bacon is not lost in what's happening there. Like his these seven sons are willing to die before they eat unclean food because food isn't just like what you you ate back then. It is a, a way of life. It is one of the way the main ways that you could differentiate yourself as a God-fearing person than the world around you. Your food, it was a big deal. It was not inconsequential. And so um, when the church gets together to reassess this, they're not doing this on their own, but together they're reassessing the central thing and they discuss, they listen, they talk. And so I encourage you, any way you can, you've got to be connected to people who are making the same journey that, that you're trying to go on. There's this old axiom that says, if you show me the five people you spend most of your time with, I'll tell you the kind of person you're going to be in five years. And I think there's a lot of wisdom. And there's a lot of truth to that, that one of the greatest indicators of, for us parents, like the way our kids are going to become um, adults 
is by looking at the friends they're surrounded by. For as much as we want it to be about like adult influence on their kids, like our kids are heavily influenced by their peers. And it's not just our kids, like it's all of us. And so if you're always surrounded by people who are just apathetic about their faith or you're surrounded by people who are just saying how wrong it is and picking apart everything, like it's going to affect you. And that's one of the reasons, honestly, why I started the podcast. And not, not everyone can get a microphone and can get Richard Rohr and Tom Wright and Barbara Brown Taylor and like all these great voices that I've been lucky enough to have um, coaching me along. But y- you got to find ways to be creative about it because you got to have voices that are pointing in the direction that you want to go. And that's one of the reasons, you know, last week we had Brian's out on the podcast. I love having BZ in the podcast. <laughs> he, I love when he does his monologues and like he, he gets his, uh, you know, his Dylan references and Dostoevsky and all that stuff, which I really don't understand. But one of the things I love about him is you got a guy who's been in a church for like 30 years and he's still doing it and he's still committed. And in some ways, like he, he has like the credibility of someone who's like deeply invested and his way of life is one that I want to imitate. There's a, a line in the book of Hebrews where it talks about remember your leaders and consider the outcome of their lives of faith. Like you, you got to have people who are the place where you want to go. And unfortunately, not everyone has that. Like I've had enough emails with enough of you listeners who say, man, I, uh, I, I love listening to the podcast because it helps me you know, listen to questions or have, uh, like have these conversations that I can't because of the church environment that I'm in. And I know that's a very real thing. I remember hearing a uh, friend of the show, uh, Pete Rollins, talk about how he does these events and people show up at them um, from all over the country. And in, his understanding is that it's not like he has new content that they couldn't hear on YouTube, that they couldn't just go download some podcast where he's saying this or read some book that hears the same teaching shared, but they're gathering because they want to be in a room with other people who are asking the same questions and listening to the same things. And so... It, it doesn't always happen in your physical proximity. I understand that. And I, and I wish that was different. I really, really, really do. Uh, one of the things that's super challenging is that when you are physically located somewhere where you don't have people who you feel connected to on a deep, substantial level. And there have been seasons in my life where I felt that and it's really isolating alone. And there are times that uh, you just find yourself just, just hanging on. And unfortunately, that's the reality for some of us at certain seasons and phases of our life. And one of the great things is that you have a lot of ability to connect with people um, through mediums like podcasts, through online following them. Like it's, it's, it's not a long-term solution but it's definitely a supplement that can help you get through right here and right now. So you, you got to do what you got to, you got to do what you can to have people model for you kind of where you want to go. And so community is extremely important. And then the other thing I would say about Acts 15 is Peter has his experience. They gather together in a community, but they're also engaging in scripture. Now the scripture would explicitly forbid what they're doing, but they have this spiritual encounter with God God's spirit in this dream, and it helps them re-understand and reimagine what scripture is. And this is one of the teachings that our guy Roar has shared with us of transcend and include, where you, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but instead you find ways to take the best of what you came from and to continue to hold on to it. The last thing you want to be is the person who has idolized their deconstruction as this like gold medal that you put on your jacket and walk and go, look how accomplished I am. But, it, but instead what you want is to be the person who graciously sees the work of God in all things. 
And for us to, in a lot of ways, that was like foundational for my deconstruction is learn to see God in everything, which means you see God, not just in people who look like you and talk like you and sound like you, but people who are different. And one of the things that's deeply meaningful to me that I've been doing more so uh, over the last handful of years, and you probably notice this with, with the guest list, is talking to more and more people who have different conclusions than me on like issues that I really care about. And they have different ways of understanding it. And instead of doing this scarecrow argument where you just, you know, have this terrible view of other people and, oh, they're so, you know, uh, unintelligent or uninvolved or like, this is Catherine, oh, I forget her last name. Um, the book on, I, I think it's titled Being Wrong, where she says, typically when people are different from us, we think that they're, uh, they're, they're just uninformed or ignorant or they're evil or they're stupid. Ignorant and stupid mean two different things. Uh, like they, they just don't have the information or if they do have it, they don't know how to do anything with it or they're just bad people. And those are scarecrow arguments that in a lot of ways prevent us from seeing the image of God in other people. And so one of the things that's deeply meaningful to me is like I have friends who, who read things differently than me from issues on gender to just issues on like even instrumental music to how we understand, right? Like all these things, like different ways to understand uh, various political issues. And when you have the ability to include the best of what they bring, it helps you become more holistic. Because I think in every facet, there's something that we can gain from every person. And it's not always easy to find. I mean, some people make it really, really difficult to find the image of God in them. Like they have done a lot of work to bury that thing that God has imprinted on their soul. But I think there is a benefit when we start to learn how to listen and value one another. And ultimately, as, as an American, like, I feel like that's kind of our witness to, the, to our country right now. Because if we need anything, we need the ability to listen and to value one another instead of demonize each other. So we need to learn how to transcend and include, to, to bring with us the best of where we came from and to celebrate the people who, who haven't gone through the same thing that we have gone through and not become these people who have idolized our deconstruction as like this, hey, I've arrived and I'm some spiritually mature person now and you're not, uh, but instead to value the work of God in every person around us. That's the end of my rant. Um, yeah, we're at 34 minutes. Uh, my, my, my original plan was I was going to do this for like 10 minutes. And so that was, uh, a little while ago. I, <clears throat> yeah, I think we're just gonna wrap it up. I think that's, a, yeah, I think that's enough for right now. Um, that's something else I was going to want to do, but I feel like 35 minutes is a long enough rant. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, if you've got more questions about this, if you want to follow up with me, if you want me to follow up on a, a specific topic that maybe I didn't address about deconstruction, uh, feel free to shoot me an email, luke at lukenorsworthy.com, and uh, I'll get back with you or hit me up on Instagram, which is probably even easier for most of us. And uh, I'd, I'd love to help in any way I can. And it is an absolute honor for me to get to serve y'all in this capacity. And uh, you know, thank you for letting me be a part of you know your drive to work or when you're doing the dishes or when you're out uh, you know, walking the dog or whatever you do while you consume podcast. Um, my hope for you is that um, whatever you're going through, um, that you can find uh, the goodness of God that is with you, that is for you, and is always pushing you into a more deep commitment and connection to Him. And so I hope that you find that intimacy with your heavenly parent and the way that God has revealed God's self to you is something that is life-changing for you. So uh, all the best and talk to you later.